It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome as we get ready for tonight's game against the Ducks. And, you know, I got myself into a little bit of a thing the last time the Sharks played against what I deemed to be a beatable opponent in Chicago because I said the Sharks... I expect them to win this game. I expect, I expect, I expect, and I was wrong, wrong, wrong. And as a sports broadcaster, you've got to be really good at being wrong, apparently, because I find that's something we do very, very well. But, you know, I I think at that point, I was maybe a little bit ahead, ahead of schedule on where the Sharks were. That said, I do walk into this game tonight against the Ducks, knowing that the Sharks, in my opinion, should win this game. Maybe not expectation maybe that's the wrong word to use but on paper i expect the sharks to win the game and you also look at the uh shoulder injury to drysdale for the ducks that's just a bummer um and we're going to talk to dan wood in a second here i recorded earlier and i told him i said listen i'm not you know exactly trying to root for the ducks here but to watch those types of injuries go down when i read that news you feel awful for anybody i don't want anybody getting hurt i want guys to be able to play I want the Sharks to beat the best version of the Ducks that they can. And now we don't get to see the best version of the Ducks. Now, that being said, the Ducks do provide problems. If you look at what Trevor Zegers is doing, um, he is capable of making incredible plays at any moment in particular. And I do not think the Sharks should overlook anything the Ducks do bring to the table. But overall, in my estimation of where the Sharks are versus where they were, the Sharks are a much better team today than they were in game number four of the season when they went up 2-0 against Chicago, only surrender um, you know, a number of multiple goals. What was it five straight? I believe they were up 2-0 and went down 5-2. I mean, that was, that was painful. That was not fun, and it's not what anybody wants to see happen again anytime soon with the San Jose Sharks. And I would, I would hope... And I would feel that they've been through enough painful losses this year to teams they think they can beat to where they can put forth a more solid performance from start to finish. And I do think that that is something that we have seen as of late. The completeness of the Sharks from the start to the finish. Now, have there been errors along the way? For sure. You look at that game against Tampa on Saturday, the Sharks give up a goal in the first 30 seconds of the game, but they were able to bounce right back. And they were able to get themselves back into the game. And to me, I know we talk about giving up the late goal, but it's that early goal that was more of a difference maker over the course of the game, in my opinion, because the Sharks were immediately down by a goal and they were able to tie and then they were down. They were able to tie and they were down, able to tie and they could never take the lead. And I think that just having to chase a game in that factor never allows you to truly put your best foot forward. You're reactionary. And it's something that I've talked about, about the Sharks needing to be hot out of the gate. Too many times this year, they have needed a bit of a wake-up call. We go back to a week ago against Vegas on a Tuesday night. Vegas peppered the Sharks with shots early on. I mean, Vegas was off on to the races. However you want to look at it, they just put the Sharks on their heels immediately, and the Sharks were able to turn that game around and take a 1-0 deficit into a 2-1 lead, only to surrender three straight goals and lose 4-2. But you know, you're taking those couple of steps forward with a step back with the Sharks, and you would hope 
that you're able to transform that into a better overall performance. Will it happen tonight? I, I don't know. But I feel like this is a good opportunity for the Sharks to show that, you know, when they go against a team that is not as strong as a Toronto, as a Vegas, as a Tampa Bay, that the Sharks are able to put forth a good effort and take control of the game and dictate the tempo and the pace and really be in control of the game. Because I feel that's something we've seen far too often this year, the Sharks not being in control of a game, the Sharks not looking like they are the quote-unquote better team. I, you know, I want to see that complete 60-minute effort. They've come close at times. And they have put forth some good efforts, which have resulted in losses. But you would like to see the Sharks take that early lead and then handle the challenge, but still win convincingly. Not in overtime, not that I'm not taking overtime wins. I'll take them, of course. But just to have that complete start-to-finish game. And I hope tonight against a team that I do not consider to be a great team. And I, that doesn't mean I don't respect the Ducks. They're dangerous for sure. But I would just hope that the Sharks are able to to win, to be able to put that convincing performance forward. And I think that it's going to take Eric Carlson to continue at his hot streak. Now, Eric Carlson playing like the Eric Carlson of days of old, I absolutely love getting that out of him, getting those types of performances. It's been phenomenal. It's been lovely. It's been a great thing to see. And I don't think that it necessarily has to be just a hot streak. Like, again, I was there pretty close on Saturday and to see him up close and look at the confidence with which he was playing, it was really a sight to behold. And I admit that I was not expecting that to see that visibly on his face, but you could just see the way he was skating, the way he was seeing the ice, the way he was reacting to the game. It was like, oh, okay, he's 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 feeling it right now. Like he sees that he can change games. And that to me is something you need to see on Eric Carlson. But you know, as, as good as Eric Carlson has been, and I'm not trying to deny from that in the slightest because he's been great. You need more from Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. Like, there's just no other way to get around it. Those guys need to be putting the puck in the back of the net with more consistency because, be, again, I, I just did not expect this to occur. There was no way I could have predicted that we would have been, what, 11 games in and see only two goals combined from the two of them? Hey, listen, nobody expected to see that. And again, it's my overall thing right now is like, well, when is this growing larger sample size going to be more indicative of a greater problem than, you know, maybe these guys just being off to a cold start. And I don't, I can't imagine it is just the system. I can't imagine it is going to continue, but for it not to continue, for it not to be a bigger and emerging storyline, we need to see evidence that it's going to come to an end, right? Like we need to see that it is something that is not just a slow start to the season. They're able to bounce back and put those pucks in the back of the net because the Sharks are reliant on Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle. Like it feels like without their offensive contributions, they're playing with their hands behind their back. And you look at some of the nice goals you've had from Aniko Sturm and you look at the way that Eric Carlson's been playing and you look at some of the other nice performances that you've had, they are great. And I'll take them any day of the week, but they would be that much more impactful. And you maybe have a couple of more wins if you were able to get Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle to play closer to their level. And I know easier said than done, but at the same time, it is what the Sharks are relying upon. It is what you expect to see. And I don't think it's wild of me to expect to have seen a better performance from both of those guys up to this point. Will it happen? I, I think so. I imagine it's just a matter of time before they do get rolling. But at the same time, it's problematic while it's not occurring. And it's problematic that it's taken this long to get going, especially for the both of them, considering, considering they are your offensive leaders and you rely on them to be the engine so much of what you're able to do with putting the puck in the back of the net. I'm not turning my nose up at Eric Carlson upping his game. That's phenomenal to see. I'll take it any day of the week. 
But I do also think that there needs to be more from those two guys if the Sharks are going to continue on the improvement train. Like if they're going to become the team that we think they're capable of being this year, which again, I view as a bubble playoff team, then you've got to have Timo Meyer and Tomas Riddle performing to the level that they are capable of. And until that happens, the Sharks are going to find themselves in a lot of tougher games than they otherwise should be in because if you're getting those goals that you expect to get from a Hurdle or a Meyer, you've got a little bit more breathing room. So we'll wait to see if that does indeed come to fruition. All right, we are going to now bring in the radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. It is Dan Wood. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing very well and uh, very happy to be in San Jose. Took a walk around uh, San Jose State this morning, my alma mater. That was very cool. Yes, yes. I Hopefully you got back uh, to the hotel before it started pouring. I did indeed, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> yes, because it was. I think you brought the, the rain with you, although that's not usually what people uh, associate with Southern California either. But, you know, if we need a scapegoat, we can say blame Dan. But uh, Why not? we need the rain anyway, so we'll, we'll take it, regardless of where it's coming from. Um, you know, I, I guess I, we just got to start with the Drysdale injury for lack of a, of a bigger talking point. I mean, that just, you know, whenever I read stories like that, I can just feel my heart sink into my stomach because not that, you know, you never want to see uh, an interstate rival necessarily do well uh, from the Sharks' perspective. But as you know, I mean, anytime a guy gets injured, you, you just feel for him. It's it's terrible. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one all the way around. I mean, obviously, it isn't going to do the Ducks any favors because they have enough trouble defending as it is. And losing Jamie Drysdale, who was certainly uh, one of their top four defensemen, that's not going to help. But I think in the bigger picture, um, you know, you wonder about what impact this will have on Jamie Drysdale to miss most, if not all, of the remainder of the season and for his future development, because obviously he's a a key guy going forward. So tough break. And it's funny because it didn't look like that big a deal when the play occurred uh, the hit by William Carrier into the boards, it's something you see a hundred times every game. But when you see Drysdale going off to the bench the way he did, you knew it wasn't good. No, and uh, obviously with the torn labrum and the, the four to six month timeline, do we know if the surgery has happened as of yet? To my knowledge, no. Uh, the Ducks made the announcement yesterday and said the surgery would be upcoming. Now, I suppose it's conceivable that it might have taken place today or late yesterday, but I don't know that. So to my knowledge, it has yet to occur. Yeah, that four to six month timeline, I mean, that at best you're looking at, uh, you know, a late return and at worst, you know, the entire season. And, you know, there's part of me, Dan, that just thinks it's like, well, if you don't want, this is not something you want to rush. It's almost better to just, you know, kind of evaluate after the surgery and say, we'll start rehabbing them, but there, there should be no pressure to return this season. But then again, it's, it's not my investment. It's not my player. That's easier for me to say than the uh, the top brass of the Ducks. No, but I think you can take it to the bank that that's exactly the way they will approach it. Last season, uh, Max Jones had a torn chest muscle, played in only two games, and missed the remainder of the season. He was at a point late in the season where he could have played, but the Ducks made the decision not to play Max Jones you know, just to make sure there would be no questions about him coming back and getting injured again. And even though, um, you know, it, it was tough for Max to swallow that because he was dying to get back in a game, uh, you know, he went into the offseason, was able to get a good offseason of training and be ready to go this year. So 
you know, Max Jones, a little older than Jamie Drysdale, but still a former first round draft pick, a guy the Ducks have high hopes for. And, uh, you know, they're not going to take any chances with Drysdale. That's for sure. Are you at all surprised by the uh, the slow start that the Ducks have gotten off to this year, especially uh, we juxtapose the nice start last year? Yes and no. Um, when I saw the schedule and I saw that the Ducks had, uh, you know, a five-game Eastern road trip after opening with one game at home, and I saw that they had nine of their first 12 games on the road, I knew it was going to be tough because uh, that would be a gauntlet for the best of NHL teams to run at the start of a season. But for a team with numerous young players and several key newcomers that is trying to establish itself, I knew that was going to be very difficult for the Ducks. So, um, you know, I anticipated a slow start, maybe not quite as slow as it's been, and maybe not with the issues that have been at the forefront um, but it, it's been tough. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, and I, I think the schedule is such a factor for everything because, you know, the Sharks have had a gauntlet of a, of a schedule as well, and not that, not that I'm trying to say that the, you know, the Sharks and the Ducks are going to be world beaters this year, but, you know, you look at the respective schedules and the way it's laid out, like, that, that's, it's, it's a lot to deal with. I think the, the hope, and I've, you know, heard this from a couple people that, you know, are covering the Ducks and same thing with the Sharks, is that, it should get better from this point. I don't think either of these teams are expected to keep up, you know, a 270 something, you know, win percentage for the rest of the year. The idea is that it will get better. Well, you would certainly hope so. And unfortunately for the ducks and the sharks, you know, there's a saying that you can't make the playoffs in October, but you can miss the playoffs in October. Mm -hmm. And of course there's a lot of season left. Anything could happen, but it's going to be very difficult for either the Ducks or the Sharks to put enough wins together to climb back into the top half of the standings in the division. And you look at this division with Edmonton, uh, Calgary, and Vegas. We saw Vegas the other day, and they are very impressive to me. So those top three spots in the Pacific Division, to me, are going to be hard to beat out any of those teams. I mean, the Kings might have something to say about that. But I think at this point, you know, you, you can't even really be thinking about playoffs if you're the Ducks and the Sharks. You just have to think about what you said, getting better, making progress, developing your team, and, you know, then look up at the end of the day and see where you are. Yeah, and in terms of, you know, hallmarks of improvement, I mean, I know you referenced the defense, and again, it's you can only derive so much from a small sample size. Um, you know, the Sharks have played 11 games. You guys have played nine games, um, it, but is that the, the point of contention? Is it the, you know, the overall, the giving up goals? Um, I believe it's almost 40 that the, uh, that Anaheim has given up up to this point and the Sharks are at 30 something. Is that what you're specifically looking for? Or are there other aspects as well? Primarily that's it. I mean, I could tell during the preseason that the Ducks were going to have trouble defending and it's been even worse than I anticipated. Uh, when you look at the Ducks from past years, the, uh, the talk was always when they have Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson in the lineup, they're a really good team. Well, maybe not really good, but they're, a, you know, a pretty good team. Uh, whenever Lindholm and or Manson were hurt and out of the lineup, the Ducks struggled. 
Well, now they don't have either one of those guys having traded them both away before last year's trade deadline. And it really shows. They brought in John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov in the offseason, but Klingberg clearly is a guy whose calling card is offense, not defense. And Kulikov, I think, is a, is a really good addition if he's playing in the right spot in your lineup. But when you ask him to play top four minutes, then things change a little bit. So the Ducks have a lot of similar types of defensemen, and none of them are the types of defensemen that Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson are. Now, not to pin it all on the defense, because I think the goaltending can be better than it's been. And obviously the forwards have to, you know, contribute defensively as well. One thing the Ducks did against Toronto the other night that I think might really help is they put Derek Grant back on left wing and put him on a line with Isaac Lundestrom and Jacob Silverberg. And they played that line as much as possible against the Austin Matthews line for Toronto. Grant, Lundestrom, and Silverberg are the three best defensive forwards the Ducks have. And I would anticipate Anaheim leaving those guys together tonight. And, uh, you know, when you have at least one line that you can really count on to check, uh, you're better off than you, if you don't have any. So it, it's going to be a work in progress. It's going to be difficult. This isn't going to go away overnight. But the Ducks just have to keep hammering away at it and try to get that goals against down from where it is because you're not going to win many games if you have to score five goals a night. Yeah, no, it's, that's very true. Outscoring the opposition is one way, but I wouldn't advise it uh, to many on see if you can be the better high-scoring team many nights. Uh, but although, uh, you know, I'll temper that by saying, in terms of the evolution as a you know of a Trevor Zegras here as a final question, it certainly looks like he is living up to the hype. I mean, my word, it seems like every every game I'm watching a new highlight or another you know aspect of a game where he's like the other night get a game winner or just doing something amazing out there on the ice. It, it's not calming down. He's getting better. Well, Trevor Zegras uh, is a guy who is going to continue to show up uh, in the highlights because that's who he is. That's what he does. And he has a, a world of skill and ability. I mean, in the in the history of the Ducks franchise, the only players who can rival Trevor Zegras uh, skill-wise are Paul Correa and Temu Solani. I mean, beyond that, it's not even close. Now, having said that, there's a long way and a lot of improvement for Trevor Zegras to make. He's had his ups and downs, like a lot of talented young forwards, he has to get better defensively. He has to be more responsible and earn more trust from the coaching staff. But when a game's on the line, as it was Sunday night against Toronto, he's one of those guys who can be a difference maker, and that's great to have. Then, you know, I have to bring up Troy Terry because Troy Terry has been far and away the Ducks' best player so far this season. His development uh, over the past year plus has been off the charts. He's a guy who, even when he isn't putting up points, is dangerous. A guy that you definitely have to watch if you're doing your pre-scout on the Ducks. Troy Terry's stick handling ability, his ability to put shots past goaltenders, and to make heady plays like he made to set up Zegra's first goal Sunday against Toronto when he stole the puck in the D zone and made a quick outlet pass to set up a Zegra's breakaway. Terry and Zegra's are worth the price of admission for Ducks fans. Well, Dan, it's always a pleasure. I will see you at the tank later tonight, and you have a good one, all right? 
Can't wait, Ted. Thanks for having me. Again, that is Dan Wood of the Anaheim Ducks. We are just about out of time. Be sure to join us at 7 for live pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then at 7.30, the Sharks play host to the Ducks. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.